This one started out with uh, Brandon Saad, who uh, I, I got to admit, I did not anticipate that Brandon Saad was going to leave Chicago and go to Columbus and succeed. I thought he was overachieving in, in Chicago. And all of a sudden, he's like a 30-goal scorer. And uh, I don't know, that guy that guy could just he just continues to get it done. He, he moves into the high slot area with the puck and sent kind of a, a soft wrist shot on Rene that I think he just didn't see. But uh, So it was one nothing. Um, then Yarn Croak. This was the the Wilson's sort of crazy backhand pass. I think we've talked about this exact pass from Colin Wilson like all season long. It, it, this pass that he makes blindly from the corners, where most of the time there's no one there, but every now and then it just works, and uh, it worked. And Cali Arnkrogman had a great finish. I mean, he seems to be passing to somebody because it keeps any of the people sticks. Yeah, well, he's also made some that remember the one that he, that he got lucky on that I think ended up on well, the stick. Yeah, well, that went off someone's skate. Yeah. and you know, I, I think he was just trying to clear it out at that point. But uh, yeah, so I love so, watching those goals. Yeah, so so Yarncroke uh, gets that with a really really nice finish on um, on Bobrovsky. Right? What what if yeah. uh, what if all this time the secret combination was Yarncroke Wilson? What if that was the secret the entire time? Well, <laughs> Mari's expression is fantastic. <laughs> She's not buying it, I don't think. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see, let's, It worked in that game. We'll see, it on, see it on Tuesday against Pittsburgh. We'll see yeah. what happens. Hey, it could work. Solnercheck <laughs> gets a goal. Uh, another scrappy goal with the, on the McLeod line. Um, you know, it, here's the thing. If you uh, go out there, and we, we talk about this. If you go out there and you fight more with your hockey stick than you do with your fists, uh, sometimes the puck goes in the net. So maybe don't just try to get in a fight every time you go out there. Cody I, it was so great because he's falling. It's one of those like in front of the just sho- like in front of the goaltender, just shoving the puck as hard as you can. You're also falling over at the same time because yeah. some guy's trying to like murder you with a, with a cross check that's not you know actually a cross check because the NHL doesn't because it's in front of the net. You can do anything. There. Yeah, you can you can cross check anybody as long as it's not a bad cross check. Um, you have to cross check the right way. And I loved how that goal. I mean, it was a good goal by about two centimeters. It just barely crosses. Sort of leak through Bobby's pop. Yeah, yeah. I, we need a gif of that. That's a that was, that was a pretty good goal. Um, then Craig Smith, he appeared. Pulling all freaks. And welcome back to the show that's in the throes of Super Bowl excitement. We are ready for the Super Bowl around here. You're listening to the Predcast, brought to you by OnTheForeCheck.com. I'm Alex. I'm here with Marianne Link. Are you guys ready for the Super Bowl? I am so ready. Yeah? Yeah, I'm rocking my Atlanta hockey uh, shirt today, so... Link, how many days have you been waiting for this game to occur? I don't know what time the game starts. (laughs) Um, Actually, I don't either. Oh. I don't think anyone really knows. It just kind of starts at some point. Yeah, exactly. I Sorry. think it's five. We'll find five. out. Five, okay. No, sorry, really pretty dog just, just went by the uh, <laughs> the podcast studios. Very pretty dog. Um, I, no, I, I was, I was, as I was saying, like just before we started recording, like I'm, not, you know, everyone knows I'm not really a, a you know NFL football person, but I have never cared about a Super Bowl more than I do at this one because I just like if there's a team that I would want to see take down the Patriots, it'd be something like. The Atlanta Falcons, just yeah. because they're like you think, oh, maybe be Eagles because that's where I'm from. But but the Eagles have a massive fan base, all this attention, like a national team. Whereas Atlanta is just sort of like Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, no one thinks about them, and now they're in the Super Bowl, and they could they could beat the, one of the most annoying teams on the planet. Well, I mean, it's fantastic. I, I mean, in, in addition to like you know, I went to school down in Georgia. I have a lot of friends down there, and I I know a lot of Falcons fans, and 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 certainly being at the very least indifferent and somewhat a fan of the Falcons. Uh, 
I'm excited because I, I mean, let, just to talk about the actual game of football for a second, they're one of the best offenses like of all time. I mean, they are literally one of the best football offenses of all time. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, it's pretty. It's pretty insane. I mean, they are challenging like some record books in terms of of that, and which is which is cool, and that's that's fun to watch. Offensive football is fun to watch. You know. Yeah, their offense is crazy this year. Yeah. And also, I was in Atlanta yesterday, and just walking through the city, seeing everybody dressed up in Falcons colors, all the street signs said, let's go Falcons, yeah. all the you know, shops and stuff. Seeing the city come together like that is not something that Atlanta does. So seeing it right now is just so special. It definitely is not something that happens in Atlanta a lot. So, uh, but, you know, that, that being aside, we're going we're gonna to move on to talking about the Predators and hockey. Um, the Predators played three games this week. They went one and two. Three entire games. Three whole games. Three full games. 60-minute games. They didn't play much in the second period against Pittsburgh, but uh, we'll get to that. How many periods? They played three games. They were present for three games. How many actual minutes of hockey did the Predators play this week? I mean, I think at least, I think you're safe saying about 40 minutes, maybe 40 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes? No, no, I say 40 minutes, maybe 60 minutes, 20 minutes. So I think they got a good two games worth of hockey in the three games this week. So it's 180 minutes, and they probably played about 100 I think nine. I'm giving them a full ninety. Okay. So okay. if they if they were 180 minutes, they played ninety in my opinion because okay. I think I, I think the Oilers game was was a pretty was a pretty exciting yeah. thing. I think they get we obviously were the, the second period against Pittsburgh was a problem, and then whatever nightmare occurred against the Red Wings, yeah. whatever that was. I'm trying to like I've already had blackouts related <laughs> to that. Yeah, right. We, it was it was less than 24 hours ago, and we we are kind of trying to remember what happened. Um, I heard there was a goal. There was one goal. There were not any other goals than one. There was exactly one. Uh, but the Predators still are in third place with 58 points. Um, the you know the it doesn't feel great being one and two after after three games. But you you really the, what matters is where you are in the standings, especially this time of year. The Predators have 30 games left. Um, you feel good about them getting at least a point a game. Um, you'd like to get more than that, obviously. But uh, you know they're not in a bad position. I mean, are, no one's really worried necessarily. Well, I mean, if you're a point a game, you you might drop out of playoff contention. Well, yeah. a point a game will put you around ninety points, and they've never not made the playoffs when getting ninety points. Still, not, I mean, ninety points. I mean, that is like you are low. playing with fire. I mean, that is scraping into the playoffs. Certainly, but I think we all think that they'll do a little bit better than that. So, yeah, given the way the Central has been this year, I would not be surprised. You know, hitting that mark and be able to get in the playoffs they're sitting very comfortably in the three spot in the central so i have faith that they can at least make the playoffs whether or not they make any noise is a different matter that's a good point yeah and, and uh you know just, just a little bit of news that you know came down a few hours before for this game st louis just announced that robbie fabry their center who's been having a pretty good year is out for the rest of the year with an uh, acl tear so st louis all of a sudden I mean, not only were they playing poorly, now they just lost one of their better players. And then they fired their really, really good coach for Mike yes. Yo, who has shown no aptitude for coaching a successful hockey team <laughs> as of yet. Now he's so, like a Bond villain. Now in his third team. That's, I think this is generous. He, if you were a Bond villain, that would be the most boring James Bond movie of all time. I cannot agree more. It would be like 60 minutes of queuing. What was the... There was a Bond movie where there were, the villain was like he was like doing something with water, wasn't there? That was one of the more recent ones. Oh, was it the? I don't. I, I kind of lose track. It was like he was going to poison a bunch of water, and I, I was like, I also this haven't is seen so the last. I didn't ever saw the last Bond movie that came out. I didn't see that. one. I haven't either. But, but yeah, just, Mike Yo it would be a terrible. Bond. I mean, that that'd be like James. Someone someone took the book out of the library that I wanted to to take out. Could you recover it for me? And 
for some reason, James Bond feels a need to find Mike Yo and like put three bullets in his head with a pillow silencer. But you I know mean, what? It just, it's, no. just, it's like way, way too much for what Yo brings out in people. No, it, it would be, you're, you're right. It would either be that or he would be um, like that parent that's like trying to get a book banned and everyone like hates him because he's trying to get this one book banned because it has like graphic material in it or something. And everyone's like, dude, it's just, you know, it's J.D. Salinger. Who cares? <laughs> that's what would happen. <laughs> That would be a really weird James Bond uh, premise. <laughs> J.D. Salinger and James Bond have probably never been spoken in the same <laughs> sentence before. Exactly. He'd be the parent who wrote the letter to the uh, library yeah. and got put up in the lobby saying, exactly. what was wrong with this book? The, the parents of young Michael, Michael Yo <laughs> are angry that they have to read this book. So, uh, yeah. Anyways. Having said all that, you know, I think St. Louis, uh, St. Louis is not, definitely not as, as uh, strong as they were. Dallas is like just still losing games, and a lot of players there are not not playing well. Dallas is picking up goaltenders at this point. It's, it's starting to pick up goaltenders like Nationals and picking up fourth liners. Just yeah. like whatever's available, we'll just grab and give did, it a spin around the block. I, didn't, I guess I missed that. Who did they pick up? Did you, did you see? Uh, I even forget. It was like some no remember. name. Like it, yeah, it was like an H. I love like like a guy who, okay. who who was supposed to be make a splash but never did. Right. Okay. It was just some guy. Yeah, it was one of those AHL, AHL trades. It, this is the, this is crazy. The difference between teams like Dallas and a teams like a team like LA. LA has a tons of success, and and you know Dallas might say, "Well, we've had all these injuries." Los Angeles lost Jonathan Quick. Has lost Jonathan Quick for fifty games now. And what do they do? They go get Peter Budai, who has had an incredible year. So. Injuries are not an excuse. I mean, if Dallas is just going to sit there and say, "Well, we've had injuries, or we've had you know some of our goalies are, are not as are not as good," well, go find a good one because uh, other teams tend to do that. Or, or just find one who has a long history of being right around average, yeah, or just above average, and just p- pick them up. Yeah, yeah. All they need is average with their scoring. So any that's all any team needs. It has if, if a team has is a balanced quality team, they just need average goaltending. They don't need something spectacular. Speaking of goaltending, before we talk about the actual games, um UC Soros was sent down to Milwaukee on uh Saturday. Oh my god, should I panic? Should I be losing my mind right now, Alex? I think everyone should be someone, losing someone, their mind. Someone calm me down. I'm losing my mind. Please lose please, your mind. Please, please explain to me why I shouldn't be panicking. Okay, I think you shouldn't be panicking because um, he won't be gone very long and uh, he'll be back very soon. I doubt that Mazinich even gets a start while he's here. Wow, I already feel better. Thank you, Alex. Okay, okay. so I, I would bet that he would. I don't. I don't know the uh, Admiral's schedule, but Soros what probably gets like one start down there and then comes back. Uh, he'll go down probably play most of the games. But how long will he really be down there? Maybe uh, th- three days. Yeah, two three days. Yeah, I'm not sure when the bye week is coming up, but it's, it's not this week, but next week. Yeah, so he'll probably go down, get a couple games in, and then come back. Right. And he so, got a win last night, didn't he? On Saturday night. I oh, think. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been following the Admirals. Yeah, I think I think he went down and just like literally picked up a win. I think uh Fiala had two goals. Oh, wow. Oberg had two goals. Oh, yeah. And and Saras picked up the win. That's all I can remember. There might have been more, but I think it was like a four two Admirals win. Okay. I could be so wrong. I know those stats, but I don't know if it was like four what. Right. Or five something or whatever. Yeah. Fiala so. scored. I do know that and that's all I know. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so that that was just a bit of news that came down yesterday. But you know, Rene, having said that, Pekka Rene does he started all three games this past week. Were you guys surprised that that Rene did start all three games after the the uh, string where Rene and, and Saros were not splitting starts, but they were actually rotating the goaltenders? Yeah. I was a little bit surprised. Uh, I guess because there was more spacing in between. He was coming off of the All Star break where he didn't he wasn't involved, so maybe they, they, he was a little bit more rested. Uh, they wanted to just kind of get him in there. Uh, a l- little bit odd, all things considered. I would have expected to see Sars get, a, get one start in there. 
Yeah, I was expecting Charles to get one start, and I was a little surprised that he did get sent down. I might have expected him to start the Pittsburgh game. Rudy's numbers haven't historically been great against them, but I guess once they lost the Pittsburgh game, they just started decided to roll with Rudy the rest of the week. Yeah, it's kind of tricky because you know you did have that All Star break. Um, I, I feel like they got in a good habit that by they I mean the Predators got in a good habit of of starting alternate you know goalies and kind of having that little rotation going. Really hope that they haven't like you know fallen off the wagon here and are going back to their old ways of just starting Rene every game. Uh, I would I think they probably aren't because they know what they have in Soros and they know that uh, they saw how how good Rene can produce when he has a lot of rest. So let's start with uh, the Pittsburgh game uh, last last Tuesday. Um, look, the, pen, the the Penguins are good. They're very good. <laughs> they got a lot of good players. They've won something like twenty of their twenty five home games this year. They're insane at home. Um, you know, while definitely the Predators played good enough in part of this game to win, they definitely did not play well in the second period, and that was yeah. There, was there were there were errors up and down the team in that period. Uh, I just you can you can just go through them and say, okay, well, there's an unfortunate bouncer. There, a player didn't, didn't didn't track the puck well. I mean, there were there were a couple that were just excellent plays by the Penguins. There was there was the one the first Hornquist goal where where Pekka just was on the post but didn't seal it hard enough. I mean, I was, it's yeah. it's Patrick Hornquist. You put him around the net, he's going to find a way to shove the puck past you. You need to seal the post. I feel like there's been too many of those where there's been a lot of post problems with Predators goalies this year. Uh, I I think Peck of the past couple seasons has struggled again on the post a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe with, with the hip issues and some of the injuries he's had there, the lateral movement isn't quite where it used to be for him, which, I mean, he's also, what, 34, 34? 35 35 now i think so he's getting so i mean he, he some of that lateral movement may be may be going and and that makes it hard to seal the post especially when someone's scoring around the back of your net and you have to correct really quick because he was there but he just wasn't set where he needed to be exactly yeah it could be some hip issues or it could just be trying to cheat against the pass a little bit could be either any one of those issues right um so yeah Horn, hornfist had two goals in that game by the way the the second Hornquist goal, you know, the first the first one is the wraparound that Link was describing, but the second one, to me, is just a prototypical front of the net Hornquist kind of play. Uh, just an incredible play where the the puck comes bouncing in. Matt Irwin is there, puck is bouncing, and Hornquist lifts his stick and shoots the puck all in one motion. Uh, spins too, spins by the way. He was face he was backwards to the goal, and he spins, lifts lifts Irwin's stick, slams it home, and Rena can't stop it. It's just. I mean, every Hornquist goal looks like that. Yeah, the Pittsburgh broadcast showed a heat map of all of Hornquist's goals, and it's this little, like, moon shape right in front of the crease yeah. where he scored, I don't even know how many goals. And where are the Predators this season been really bad about protecting? I think it's the, the front of the net. The front of the net. I mean, yeah. you look at... You, you, I think I, looking at the, the, the shot map for even this game, it's just like, here are the circles. You know, they're on either side, and all the goals are just a straight line. Even even the wraparounds, are, you know, still fall within this. I mean, it's just a straight line. You, mm-hmm. you think you see that game after game after game? Somebody goes, "Hmm, we must be doing something wrong." Yeah. Here's a fire emoji hot take. I wonder if trading one of the better players in the league at protecting that tiny area might have something to do with that. Are you talking about one Shea Weber? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> I haven't heard of him. They just have to figure out how to compensate and play differently because they don't have that guy sitting back there all the time. You have a lot of defenders who want to jump in the attack more than they want to defend that area. Exactly. I think you're right. Um, and that's, that's definitely well, been a it, theme. It's not even just the defenseman, though. I mean, you, you watch a lot of these. Like, I, I, don't, I, I can get way ahead of myself because I think it's, it's talking about what happened on the, uh, the Detroit goal 
soul slave, but but there's it, it's more than I think I think that's definitely the case because I mean Weber could post himself there and just shove anyone around. You can't displace him. It's it's a very much like an unstoppable force. But you you will look at how the predators function as a as a unit in that area. And it's clear that even if not having that anchor, maybe they don't know what to do and they're all sort of flying different directions. But those other four players are just sort of like chasing around, chasing other guys around and they don't really seem to have any any sense of what they're doing. Uh, and it gets worse the further you get down the lineup, it seems. Yeah. Um, and certainly we'll talk about that on the Detroit goal when we get to that game. Yeah, they look like a really terrible penalty kill anytime that sort of thing goes on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Rene had 34 saves in this game. He had... 34 of 38, but the the goals he gave up were, I mean, the the two Hornquist goals, Chris Kunitz had just, it was this weird deflection that just landed right in the dangerous spot right in front. Rene had no chance to even come over. The Trevor Daly goal, he, I mean, he just beat Rene. I mean, oh, that was, was, I mean, I just clean beat him, yeah. Yeah, just beat him on, on this sort of like slap shot, semi-breakaway kind of thing. Um, the only Predators goals, uh, uh, Callie Yarncrook actually scored first, Predators scored first in this one, um, Honestly, it looked kind of similar to the Hornfist play. He was just in front, got a little deflection uh, or rebound rather, and just kind of slammed that home. Um, something Yarncroc has been pretty good at getting in the front of the net. Now I don't know if it's a trend that'll continue, but he's certainly been doing that more recently. So um, Colin Wilson also scored as well. Uh, he had kind of a nice move in reaction to to, to beat uh, Matt Murray, who had 37 saves in this game. So Predators faced some good goaltending this week and lost two games because of it. So, yeah, Matt Murray's a good goaltender. Yeah. So it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's not a shame to lose to Matt Murray, as opposed to some later goals. No, no, speak. certainly not. Yeah. yeah, it just it really shows. I think the um, if if you tier a lot of the teams in the NHL, it it shows that the Penguins they're they're a different tier team. Um, they're always going to take advantage of those, those mistakes. They're they're a little bit they're stronger positionally than the Predators on a consistent basis. They recover really nicely, um, and that's not really a knock on the Predators. It's just you know, you're looking at one of the elite teams in the league and, and dealing with that. And, and it's a real challenge. And it's, it's something to aspire and work towards and correct towards and, and learn lessons from. Do you think, just on the Penguins, do you think that uh, they trade Marc-Andre Fleury? You think they're going to get rid of him and just keep with Matt Murray? That seems, certainly seems to be can, the trend. Can you trade him? He, I believe he has a no-moving or no-trade clause. But they, they've talked about him waiving that. Yeah. Because Matt Murray is definitely their future number. He is their number one goalie, but I'm not sure if they're going to move Fleur. Just he's such a like a figure of that team. Maybe, um, maybe uh, if if everything goes according to plan, March first, uh, the Penguins look for options to to maybe set up Fleur to go that direction. I mean, I don't think they can't trade players, so they can't do that. But maybe he's he's a future. Um, finds a future home in Las Vegas as a goaltender. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want to secure someone you think could be a starter, I mean, Flurry could could be that guy for for Vegas and hold down yeah. the fort for a little bit. I would think if 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 I'm Pittsburgh and I'm setting my if I'm setting my protections for my goaltenders, I'd protect Matt Murray before I protect Flurry. But if if Flurry has the right clause, he might be forced to protect him. Right, but I th- okay. I, I guess what I'm saying is I th- I think they've talked about waiving that. I think that's been a, a common theme. Now I don't know, that could be just rumor, so I don't know. Yeah, I, it's hard to say. Um, so Thursday, uh, the Predators then come home after playing in Pittsburgh to play Edmonton. So the last time that they played Edmonton, they got a shootout win in, uh, in Edmonton and, um, they get to play them again, get another chance to try to beat them. And so every now and then this team, by, by this team, I mean, the Predators really surprises me, uh, and, and really, really impresses me. 
and this win, I think, would count in that. I think the comeback against the Wild really impressed me. That Penguins game earlier in the year with the you know AHL team, all that 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 win surprised me. And then this game, I, I did not really expect them to to shut out Edmonton. I mean, the Edmonton's got great players and a lot of really good talent, and I, I didn't expect that. No, I mean you can't you can't go in and expect to be shutting down you know McDavid and and crew for the entire night, and they did it, which was fun. I mean, it, it, Pekka was on point. And he, every time he has a game where he's, where he's got some you know mistakes, he tends to come back the next night and make a statement. Yeah, uh, and that certainly was was something he was he was doing. And also, the goals were so pretty. They were. Oh, I mean, I think amazing. that was a thing. I th- I think the first period was kind of getting acclimated. The second period, the Predators scored a couple of really pretty goals. Yeah. And the Oilers were like, you know what? They deserve this. Yeah. Those were really pretty. <laughs> we're just going to let them have it. It was a, a gift maker's dream. Both of those goals. Arvidsson slap uh, slap shot. Or was it a slap shot? I get. I yes, think it you can. It's a slap shot. shot yeah. Uh, where he kind of on the transition because it was a really good play by um, by Johansson to to get him up the ice really quick and then he just uses that speed. It was the the Patrick Hornquist special, yeah, is what, is what I like to call that one. The the, the breakaway slap shot, the 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 uh, high the, the high slap shot from like near the top of an outside of a circle, just slam it <laughs> and hope for the best. And I mean Hornquist scored a bunch of those, but Arvidsson can skate actually skate, so yeah, yeah. huge bonus there. Uh, one thing happened on that play that I was I was going to ask you guys about and see what you thought. So in that play, Arvidsson and, and For- Forsberg is on on the left and Arvidsson's on the right with the puck. Forsberg, you know, the, the most players are just going to stay in that lane and sort of create that stretch pass play. But as soon as they get as soon as they gain entry into the zone, Forsberg curls in behind Arvidsson for like a drop pass kind of option with no one on the other side, and. You know, it, I, I've noticed that this kind of happens. Forsberg and Arvidsson t- tend to do this. Is that something that you think that they just have, are just trying to work on, or do you think that that's a better option? Because it seems to me that having a stretch pass play to get the goalie moving, especially in a two-on-one, is the better play. Forsberg drops in behind him. Now, it didn't matter because Arvidsson scored, but it seems like the sort of drop-in behind, the sort of overlap, as, as they call it in soccer, that overlapping run, uh, I guess they call it in the head in hockey too, uh, is something that they tend to they tend to try to do more. I know that Fiala tries to do that a lot, especially when he was working with uh, Johansson. Um, I don't know. Did you guys notice that? What do you think that's about? Well, it could set up Forsberg as a trailer to, to get their rebound, or if Arvison drops it back to him, he's he slightly screening Forsberg. Okay. And Forsberg is really good at scoring on those semi-screened plays. That's a good so point. That's some options. I mean, the cross-crease pass is something, but... This might be something else they're trying to work on. It could just be like a, sort of a chemistry thing. Yeah. Forsberg and Arvidsson's chemistry is amazing. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I, I, I think Mars right. It just gives, it gives you more options, gives you follow-up plays. Um, and I mean, a lot – if you look at how goals are scored, I mean, if you can pick up a rebound, your chances of scoring are way, way higher in a rebound. So if you're setting things up, so if Arvidsson bounces off the pads or something like that, you've got someone trailing to pick it up. Right. I mean, it's just – it's something that that is nice to see a little bit more of like a high skill version of crashing than that, where you're not just flinging pucks, just flinging bodies. You're actually doing it with some thought and finesse. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just that, that's it. Kind of stuck out to me as, a, as an odd an odd play, but uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense what you guys are saying. The second goal, we're very um, smart. I, yeah, I, I know that. That's why I work <laughs> with you guys. I'm kidding. Hashtag analysis. Uh, Mario is smarter than we are. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, Ryan Johansson scores late in the second, and uh, this was probably, I think I mentioned earlier last week, uh, the sort of the, a really pretty team goal with Yarncrook scoring, um, sending one to James Neal. This was prettier than that. This was just an amazing sequence where Forsberg is dancing with the puck and, and drawing like four guys on him, 
getting Arvidsson to stretch out onto the right, who then finds Joey instantly. It was just a perfectly played, <sighs> good spacing, perfect passing, and well-timed all around. Isn't that just wonderful? I mean, this is wonderful goal. I love those kind of goals. <laughs> yeah, having a player like Philip Forsberg who can hold on to the puck when he's like diving through three opposing players, he actually keeps a hold of it because I thought he'd lost it when the play was happening. I thought he yeah. lost the puck. But he actually held on to it, passed it to Arvison, and there's all the space room to pass to Johansson. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, Johansson being in that in that particular spot, he likes to be in that area anyways. He just normally is there to try to find a one-timer to pass to, but obviously he's going to shoot that because there was a wide-open net. Mm-hmm. So... Really great play. That line has been insane this week. That line this week had 30 shots on goal in wow. three games. That line, between, between all three of those guys. That's pretty insane. Now, they had five points, two, two goals and three assists, which they got in this game only. So, but they were, they were just all over the place, even again in the, the Red Wings game. Um, you mentioned Rene. He had a 31-save shutout. This was his 42nd career shutout, I think. So he's, he's getting, getting close to that you know, 50 shutouts, which is a pretty big mark. So... It's pretty good. So uh, one one question I do have is why can't the Predators score on empty nets? Hmm. Has anyone I, – I saw someone put, put, put that – I can't remember who threw it up on Twitter talking about the Predators not being able to score on empty nets. And I thought about it, and this may be just some bias looking backwards. They just seem to not be scoring empty nets this season. Yeah. Like they ice the puck. Like watching them play like five, their five-on-six play, like a defenseman will get the puck – like when they're getting the – puck away from the opposing team they're like below the um goal line and they just sort of throw it up the ice so they ice it or they manage maybe they'll manage to chip it out but they don't get it any further than that i don't have the numbers in front of you i can't even I, so i'm trying to think of the empty net goals the, the johansson one which the crazy bank shot which is never going to happen again um what else was there who else scored one I, well i'd have to I, this is something that just occurred to me so i haven't okay. this is something I, I, yeah. I've, unfortunately i have not prepared upon but that's okay i think maybe watson scored an empty and i know colton sissons did one in his hatcher yeah. game against tampa okay how do you even, how do you, even right. how do you even look up like yeah I mean, does hockey reference have that kind of information i don't think so i, I think well they might i don't know but I'm, now i'm just i'm, I'm generally curious because yeah. i just feel like i'm watching i'm like Oh, they're going to ice the puck for the next minute and thirty seconds, and and you know someone might get loose, but they're going to they, they fire it off before they reach the yeah. blue line for some, or before they reach the the center line for some reason. Yeah, I think it has to do with their five on six strategy. They really need a forward to like literally get the puck and carry it up the ice, and they're just not doing that. Yeah. They're they're more more willing to sit back and try to create this little umbrella around Rene as opposed to going to get the puck, which you know they they've they've blown a couple leads late and, and a lot of that's been because you know the other team is just getting that possession going and spending you know more and more seconds in the offensive zone and when you know the more you have that and the more chances on goal that you're you're going to score so yeah you have to have some aggression you have to go after the puck in that in that scenario and they're just way too passive in that situation All right so uh if you I don't know if you're look, still looking for that I, but I didn't I didn't have it on hockey reference okay. I did. There was one other thing I wanted to mention about the Oilers game. You know, Connor McDavid is an incredible talent. The last game that they played against the Oilers, the Predators actually kind of shut him down. I mean, he was not he was not his normal self. In this game, he was the best <laughs> player in terms of Corsi numbers. He had twenty four Corsi uh, twenty four shot attempts for when he was on the ice, which led all skaters. Uh, in a game where they were shut out two to nothing, that's that's pretty amazing. The, the guy is he's obviously one of the best talents in the league. If if you know Sidney Crosby's one, obviously, but but he's right up there, and uh, he's only what twenty one? Is he twenty? 
or 21? He's 20. Which is just nuts. So when that when his contract comes around, he's going to make a lot of money. Yep, so. and then you know that then uh, Edmonton once they pay him will like have to get rid of all their other players and right. They're just they just can't seem to figure it out. They need what Edmonton needs is is like a Sidney Crosby player, not in the sense of talent, but in the sense of is so obsessed and fixated on a particular number that he will take less money to make a number exist. Like Crosby. Yes. Like <laughs> Crosby, like, I like being in Pittsburgh. I'll take less money than I could make in the open market. Like, I'll take $8.7 million because I'm obsessed with the number 87. Right. Well, it is one of those back-diving pre-lockout deals where he's getting really paid, like, $12 million, but it's just over, you know, 20-year period. Right. But, I mean, it's like it's something like Edmonton. They're not really concerned about the the actual salary. They're concerned about the, the cap space because they could, you know, just keep piling bodies on like they have. But Okay, so thought experiment here. If if McDavid is a UFA tomorrow, what's his what's his value? Maybe not okay, not, tom- maybe not tomorrow. At the end of this contract, like AAV. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, his real value is league max. Okay, but how much is he going to get paid? What's league max right now? It's like a percentage of the overall cap hit, maybe twenty percent of the overall cap hit. So that'd be like sixteen million or something. Yeah, it's a lot of money. He might be pushing that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he'd probably be like the highest paid player instantly yeah. at his age and his talent level. But the thing is, like at that amount, like it, it really limits where you can fit, especially if the salary cap isn't going up substantially. Yeah, I think realistically, the most you could expect to get paid is like Kane Taves money, the ten point five. Oh, they get okay. They're getting ten point five a year. I bet he gets. I can't, 12. I can't believe Taves is getting ten point five a year. He's won them three cups. So well, then I'd say there's there's a whole bunch of guys who have won three cups. Yeah, yeah um, that's true. Including none, none a fantastic. Of ones, <laughs> none of the other ones are wearing a C on their jersey. Oh, I forget. Joel Quinville won them three cups. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh hey, Jonathan Taves Twitter. Jonathan Taves Twitter is a, is a magic place. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, so no, I I, think, I bet he gets. I bet he gets twelve. I bet it's something like twelve million. I wouldn't be shocked. Anyways, that's that's neither here nor there because that's like what two years away. Um, all right. So the Predators get a nice win against uh, Edmonton on Thursday. Then Saturday, uh, we're gonna skip some some big news that happened between then. We're gonna come back to that after the break. But I want to talk about the Red Wings game really quick. Pretty frustrating to lose this one, but. You know, you can't really fault the Predators for being for beating the Red Wings two to one in almost every category except for the goals on the board. I mean, they they were they were pretty much dominating a possession. Mike Green gets this crazy weird deflection uh, in which there was this sort of weird series of circumstances. There were sticks flying everywhere, and then all of a sudden they well, scored. I, I think, I, and I don't want to say, I, I want to make sure we note the fact that on that goal, the Predators had no clue what was going on. <laughs> I mean, the Red Wings they were passing the puck to each other. They were moving the puck around. That's how you score. The Predators were like, I mean, McLeod was the guy who was supposed to be marking Green, and he was just like spinning in circles. I, I kept watching the footage, and McLeod was just, he didn't know where Green was. He didn't know where the puck was. You know, I think um, Zolinchek is in 25, right? I'm yes. trying to remember jersey numbers. Yeah, Zolinchek is 26. Okay, yeah, like he, like Zolinchek clearly saw stuff happening but he didn't have a stick and he was like falling over and i mean it was it was a comedy i mean but if you it's get not the- surprising you're, you're putting your absolute weakest talking line out there mm-hmm. against the best players that that you know the rooms can muster right now and i don't remember how that how that pucks how the the start the start of that puck was was it a defensive zone was it offensive i don't even remember but Anytime that that line is out for any length of time in the defensive zone try and, and, and not it doesn't have possession of the puck Bad things tend to happen. So yeah, no, they, they're they, not yeah. a very good puck possession team. They just go out there and hit people. And uh, you know, when you're pass, the other team can just pass around you. When all you're trying to do is just hit hit them. <laughs> if you're not trying to get the puck, 
Yeah, I mean, but like we we say it was kind of a weird set of circumstances, but I mean, it's just shots and shots and getting the puck towards the net, and it. I think full credit to the Red Wings. They did. They they took advantage of a weak uh, of a weak situation. Of uh, they took advantage of the chaos that was happening. This organization, the Predators' defensive zone, which even with the top players in the team, they still struggle with. Yeah, the whole so, play was very, very scrambly up to that point. Um, even in both zones, like the Preds had a whole sequence in the offensive zone right before that um, goal happened. Right. So I mean, full credit to them for being able to capitalize. Right. Um, Peter Morazic getting the win in that he had forty-two saves. Peter Morazic had a save percentage going into the game of eight ninety-four, which is not good. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because the Preds. The uh, Preds also gave. Uh, the Red Wings five power plays over the course of the game, yes. which really limits your your ability to get the get your team rolling and and a system in place because you just lo- you're gonna lose time. Bring those calls question. I'm trying to remember. There was oh, one. It doesn't call. matter though. No, no, I, I know. I, I'm just I was just thinking. The, there, there was one the one slashing call on Forsberg. Maybe I think the interference call against Watson that eventually led yes. to the five on three yeah. was sort of questionable. But I mean, it was a sort of an iffy call, right? Interference and slashing are probably the two weirdest things to call because interference has a lot of subjectivity. And then, yeah. I mean, slashing, you never know. If, if two sticks come together and one breaks, there's a, there's a great chance the guy who did the slashing is going to um, be the guy – or the guy who, who, whose stick um, broke is typically the one who, who ends up not going in the box. I think, oh. So, I mean, because you see like a guy will come down and his stick will break and then the guy who was like just standing there will get sent to the box. Right. Because they'll just see a broken stick and and, and favor whoever has is is holding that broken stick. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, I think the Preds could have been a lot better in this game than they were, but ultimately, Petermarazic stole that game for the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the the Predators end the week uh, with a one and two record. Um, so you know th- that's uh, disappointing to lose to the Red Wings, but uh, you know I was at the game. I thought it was a pretty fun fun environment. It, it, even for a one nothing loss, it was a it, I, I had a good time. It was a, it was an exciting game. So. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll go ahead and uh, take a break. Um, we've talked about those those games. We got several things to talk about after after the break. We've got to talk about uh, a trade that happened. We've got to talk about the uh, micro barrow situation, and uh, we'll take some Twitter questions. So uh, we'll do we'll do that after the break. Thanks for listening. Uh, you're listening to the podcast. These days, you need a partner current and latest website design standards. One that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. Welcome back. You're listening to the Predcast. Um, here with uh, Lincoln Maria. I'm Alex, and uh, let's talk about this trade that happened uh, late on Saturday, right before the game, about an hour before the game. 
the Predators announced that they traded for Vernon Fiddler from New Jersey. They sent a fourth-round pick to New Jersey um, for Vernon Fiddler. Former Predator. He hasn't been on the team for like eight years, so it's been a while. But, um, yeah, Vernon Fiddler is back. Um, what, what, what were your reactions when you heard that Vernon Fiddler was going to be a Predator again? I, I sighed and just shook my head. I was like, oh, he used to be on the team, and then he wasn't. <laughs> I, I just kind of stood, stood, stared at my phone and was like, Vernon Fiddler, there's a name that I haven't heard in a while. I, 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 okay, he, he, this season he's been playing for the New Jersey Devils, who are terrible. Yeah. And he's actually been one of the better players in the Devils. He's still not been good. I mean, we're talking like he's played 40, 40, 39 games. Mm-hmm. Going two assists in 39 games. And playing on the fourth line, right? Like third or fourth I, line? Of- he's, he's averaging. His average time is uh, 12 minutes. Yeah, so like a fourth line a guy. Yeah, which isn't un- uncommon. I mean, he's, his, aver- his career average um, time uh, average is, is 13. So it, you know he's playing a couple minutes less a night. Yeah, he's not a goal scorer, but you've got to have more than one goal in 39 games. I mean, Anthony <laughs> Boteto has a goal, right? Or he might not have a goal. But Harry Zolnercheck has a goal. Hey, hey. Yannick Weber has a goal. Fiddler, Fiddler has 103 career goals. But what, granted, he's, he's scored them over since, uh, since 2002. What's his career shooting percentage? I'm guessing like eight. Uh, his, his career shooting percentage is nine. Nine. Okay. Well, he's had, he's had some really ridiculously high shooting percentages. Okay. Um, at different times, he's had 20%, 17%. He's had 12 twice. He's had nine points. I mean, granted, some of, some of the times that he was in Dallas, he clearly had some inflated numbers because he hit 13 and 12 goals in Dallas yeah. in consecutive years I get, after posting like eight, four, and six. Yeah, I, I guess my, my point is, I, look, he doesn't have to be a scoring winger. He could be what he is. But I don't want another Paul Gostad out there that can't do anything with the puck. Uh, he, or, he, yeah, he's not going to do a lot with it. I mean, he's, he's 36. Um, I, I haven't even bothered to look at what his salary is. Uh, right now, if it's over three million, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I, I can't imagine New Jersey would pay him that much. I, I don't. I want to say it was like two and a half. Uh, I'd have to pull up General Fanager. I think is that where is that where we go now? I, I usually um, use Spot Track, but I don't. But think I think no, that's not General Fanager. I forget Cap Friendly. Um, so it, it's. I just think the team overpaid for him. Frankly, I mean a fourth round pick, right? I, that's a pretty good crapshoot for a depth guy. Yeah, uh, for a guy who's 36 is playing in the fourth line. Yeah, and granted, I mean, so here's the thing: like I, when I, when I saw the Fiddler pickup, um, let's see, his remaining cap hit is he's got a 1.25. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I said, okay, well, you know, this is obviously a guy who compares against Grant McLeod and Zolnerchuk. So I was like, okay, well, let's look at let's look at a couple things. So I looked at the. Uh, you know, shots against per 60. Okay. I looked at expected goals for per 60, expected goals against per 60, and then the penalty differential. Because these are fourth-line guys. Some of these are brawlers. Let's look at their penalty differential. So, um, and, and of course, not all these guys, when they're on the ice, shots against go up. I mean, no, most of these guys are well above 30 shots against per 60 minutes. So you're just going to get lit up. Um, they, they, all these guys, like, lead in goals uh, against per 60. Like, this, they all have negative differentials when it comes to goals against and goals when you say all these guys you're including fiddler in that this is all four of those that i mentioned right um though fiddler granted is better than grant mcleod risolo chuck so uh his expected goals four per 60 is 1.85 and his against is 2.18 which is a much better ratio than you're getting from from the other three 
Um, I mean, there, there's some some bad ones like McLeod is is probably is is kind of in the middle. I mean, like, but these guys, I mean, they, they, these guys, you, they go on the ice. You're looking at given per sixty minutes that they actually play, which I mean would take ten games in a lot of cases. They're going to give up roughly you know two to three goals. Yeah, um, and score somewhere between one. <laughs> Somewhere one between one and one. Uh, and then penalty differential. I mean, most of these guys are actually pretty neutral. Uh, they tend to take guys off with them. So, like, you have a minus one, a plus one, a minus one. Here's the interesting one. McLeod, his penalty differential, the bigger the number, the better it is. If it's positive, worse it is. Minus nine. Oh, my God. So, wow. And that's just a raw count. That's not minutes. That's yeah. a raw. Like, so he takes, he's taken nine more penalties than, than have given up when he's in the ice. So... I, I, when I look at it this way, I mean, if, if the Predators are insistent on having, you know, the rough and tumble, like eating, eating shoe leather and spitting nails uh, while, while, you know, being glued to the ice, if that's the strategy they're going to go with and, and think that um, they don't need to have as much depth, Fiddler is a fine option. He's better than what they have right now. And they keep, they keep doing that. The guys they keep bringing on board always seem to be like just a little bit incrementally better than the last guy. Right. So if they continue this pace of acquiring random fourth liners, by the end of the season, they should have like Patrick Sharp. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if they keep like, they, if they keep getting incrementally better, I think they'll they'll go into the playoffs maybe with Patrick Sharp. At the rate they're going now, they're on the Pat- They're going to end the season with Patrick. Yeah, Sharp. which which you know, granted, is if you can somehow turn. Uh, uh, Cody McLeod into Patrick Sharp. You've really done paperclip into a Mercedes. Oh, or what if they? What if they went even further and got Joel Ward? <laughs> Is he injured? Hey, he actually, injured. that seems He's actually scratched. Seems like a reasonable thing oh, for I would Predators take, to do. I would take Joel Ward in a heartbeat. Uh, I, I don't know. The Fiddler thing is kind of silly. I don't know why they bring him up. I mean, he's he's kind of a friend of the family, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. He must be Poyle's friend because I, I don't know why else you'd go and bring in a guy who's 36. Uh, maybe there's this whole, like, we need to increase our veteran presence by per 60 as much as possible. And so bringing in a guy who's never really done anything in his career um, is the way to go. And that was came off super harsh. Um, so big <laughs> apologies to Vern Fiddler. Uh, though there's one thing, one last thing I want to say about Fiddler that we can't forget. If you cast your mind back to the Vernon Fiddler days in the National Predators, it's like 07. Vernon Fiddler was also a little bit of a shootout specialist. Was he? Yeah. He he had he had the famous Vernon Fiddler backhand shot on uh-huh. the, on on the uh on the shootout. He go it's his little little forehand backhand or he, uh, what did he he would just basically do a little, you know, a little shuffle of the puck and then just try and and shuffle it over on the backhand and and he was I guess successful because Trotz kept putting him out there. <laughs> um, but you knew what he was going to do because he did the same thing every time. And then David Leguan started doing it. <laughs> so you had Le- everything you saw them, you knew they were going to go backhand. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that was Fiddler's thing. So maybe they're bringing him in to fix the uh, overtime problems. I don't, I don't know. I have no clue. It makes no sense except it's an incremental improvement over the current uh, disaster. Also, Brad Hunt, what's he doing? Anyone know what like? Oh, I, I, I he's, like. I'm assuming he's not going to be on the team very much longer. But, but what's he doing? Like, no one's ever seen. Like, have, has anyone seen? Does Brad anyone Hunt? know what he looks like if he was if you found him? I know he's five eleven, so I, I, that's all I know about him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to rabble too loudly about this trade. I just don't get it. I just it's it, it's it seems like a buddy trade. Like, I want to come back to Nashville. Here's a fourth round pick. Well, it's like 
what's weird about that is like you know he's he's coming back to Nashville, but it's it's a little bit like you know the the guy who goes back to his like high school days, like he just goes back to high school just to see everybody, but it's been like five years, no one knows him anymore, and everyone's like, why? Are, what are you doing here? No one cares about you. Because he's Fiddler is such a relic of like the older the old Predator way. I mean, he I mean, he's not. He, I don't see his game fitting in all that well with anybody on this yeah, team, I, other than the fourth line, which you already had a fourth line, I guess. But like like those numbers suggest, he's maybe a little bit better. He's just a little bit more yeah, experienced. But you look, also look at his like comparables. So I, you go down and like look at his career similarity scores, and it's like Chris Neal and Richard Park and Manny Malhotra and. <laughs> That's right. Scott so, Arneal. I mean, you guys remember Scott Arneal? So here's the thing. You know, the only thing that makes me a little bit positive about this is that, uh, you know, he was a pretty good anchor on on Dallas's fourth line last year. And, I mean, Dallas's fourth line wasn't – I mean, they had a, an incredible offense last year, and I guess the fourth line was a, a played a part in that. I, I don't know how many goals he had or anything, but – uh, last, last season? He had – it's right in front of me. I just got to scroll up again. Uh, he had 12 goals and 10 assists, but he that, was shooting 12%. Yeah, I mean, that's fine for, for a fourth-line guy. He was, he was oh, that's solid. Beyond, for, I mean, that's like, he had two back-to-back seasons of ridiculous numbers. Yeah. So, yeah, Vernon Fiddler. 14-year NHL veteran, Vernon Fiddler. So, someone on Facebook pointed out he's not getting his old number back. Yeah. Which I can't remember what his old number th- was. 38. He's worn 38, oh, 38 every yeah. place he's played so far. Yeah, not he's getting not that getting back. It back. Gonna have to be happy with thirty nine, or eighty three, or eighty three. Do the old Hornquist move. <laughs> so, um, all right. So the Predators have Vernon Fiddler. You know, there's been a lot of trade rumors going around. Um, obviously, Matt Duchesne was on everybody's mind, and so then when this trade comes down, you're like, "What? <laughs> the trade happened, guys? The trade happened. They got Vernon Fiddler. So this was the one. Yep. So." Uh, you know that that'll happen. Obviously, there's there's plenty of time left, and uh, who knows what kind of moves will be made. You know, the one suggestion that, or one thought I had was that you know is this is this a precursor to another move? Does this mean someone like Colin Wilson is on his way out? Does this mean someone like someone like uh, one of those fourth line guys is on his way out? I don't know what you get for those guys, <laughs> but I I could see that happening where there's a there's a, a they obtain this piece that has some piece of value that eventually can either replace something that's going on on its way out or um, can can take the place of someone who's going to be just cut. So I don't know. No thoughts? I mean, it's hard to look at Vernon Fiddler going fourth round pick being like the starting domino um, to some like massive trade. But at the same time, you know, you see those little things where you knock over the little domino and it gets progressively bigger. So again, again, the Predators will go to the place with Patrick Sharp yep. somehow. Yeah, if we can somehow. get to Patrick Sharp from Cody McLeod, I'd be happy. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about um, the, the next topic. Is, is you know obviously there's a lot of there's there's a lot of history behind behind this particular player. Uh, I get I guess the thing that I'd like to to, to mention here about the Micro Bear situation is this. He really just seems like a very unlikable guy on the ice. I mean, <laughs> um, regardless of the off the ice stuff, I don't. I can't imagine a scenario in which anyone likes to play with that guy. And I think that that probably had more to do with this whole microbarrow, you know, healthy scratching and then eventual waving than anything. I mean, he he's been pretty productive. You can look at the numbers and, and see it. He's had well, a lot of assists. He's played. He's yeah, played he, fairly he, well. What, he's got four goals and twenty one assists. 
this season. That, that's he, not people look at that like how how is he not going to get picked up? How is he not going to get picked up? Well, you also look at like January. He had four assists. Yeah, he he did minus three. I mean, we're using plus minus, but four assists in the month of January. In December, one goal, seven assists. Okay, decent number of assists. I mean, but he he just his like. It, it's not doing much. And, and I mean, for me, where where are the big moments? Can you think of one big Mike Ribeiro moment? Well, also the turnovers. The turnovers. What are your thoughts? I think he started out the season okay with a little bit more fire in his jump. And then it's, his numbers have just fallen off a cliff, you know, four assists in the month of January. And that's just not good enough for somebody supposed to be an assist machine. Yeah. Here's the thing with him. I mean, he is he has always been the same kind of player. He's a very a very slow pace player who just likes to pass and his great puck skills, but he's played his entire career with some of the best NHL talent you can imagine. He played with Jamie Benn. He played with Mike Madonna. He played with James Neal. He played with Alex Ovechkin. Uh, he played with a number of, a number of just high talent players. He played with Phil Forsberg. He's going to get numbers if you play with those guys. Now that doesn't mean he doesn't, he can't bring anything, but, but, you know, the year he goes to Phoenix or Arizona, I guess it was at the time. Oh no, Phoenix or Arizona, whatever they were at the time. You know, he doesn't have a good year and gets bought out. Um, that was partially for off the ice issues, but um, I, I just have a hard time believing that a guy like Mike Ribeiro is really all that good when he plays with some elite, elite talent and gets a lot of assists. Well, you know? I mean, someone's got to set these guys up. I mean, it, and, and he certainly has shown that if he takes the shots, he can he can score some goals. Uh, and it, like I was a little surprised when he get picked up because he's still, a, I mean, he can still do stuff. He's not a va- he, has, he. Everyone's like, oh, he's no value, no one. What? He's got twenty five points through the end of January. I was surprised no one picked him up. I mean, that's that's nothing to laugh at. I mean, you you need some like you're going to the, maybe a third line center, uh, a depth center, someone who you can throw out, and this is. Speaking not as someone who watched a lot of Predators games, because I know this is a bad idea. Throw a guy you can just throw out on the power play and, and hope he, he makes some things happen. He's not without value as a hockey player. Uh, but, but clearly the impression, and you can see it, I mean, you, you go to like um, the hockey subreddit, you go on Twitter, you go, you know, he just has a toxic reputation. He may be reformed. I don't think so because he still gets thrown off the ice for talk, running his mouth. And we know you have to say something truly vile to get thrown off the ice running your mouth in hockey. Yeah. He's got such a bad reputation that he's made himself unappealing when he has some degree of value. Everything that I've heard about his off-the-ice behavior and his off-the-ice rep, especially here in Nashville, has been fine. There's not really an issue. He's just not really good enough or fast enough people to skate with the Predators. And considering his rep that he's built up in the years before he came to Nashville, he's just a little bit too toxic for anybody to want to grab. You know, and part of it, you know, you know, I said earlier, it looks like he looks like such an unlikable guy on the ice. I say that as a, as not a hockey player. Okay. So for all I know, guys like James Neal, um, or, you know, Ryan Johansson or any, any player on this team might be like, yeah, I like playing with that guy. But when I look at this team that has players like Yarncroke and Forsberg and Arvidsson and even Craig Smith and Colin, um, Colin Wilson, some, some guys who really just seem like just overall good guys and, and very, very team-focused, how do you want to go out on the ice with a guy like Mike Ribeiro who does not seem very team-focused at all? Well, it's just you can't play your game when he's out there because you have to play to his pace. You have to play to his style. So if you put him on a line, it influences every other, every other four and every defenseman out there because he's going to set up on the right side of the ice. He's going to hold the puck and look for that perfect pass. And if no one's open, 
no one's open and who know he'll just turn over just yeah the puck will get turned over or he'll just fling it somewhere and try to make something happen it just so even if you you just get an objective look at this and say he's got 25 points he could probably you know maybe hit 50 points this season you know 45 50 points that's nothing to laugh at Mm-mm. uh but if he's affecting the entire way you run your team and you have to to build a line around him to have him be effective when that's not really complementing the predator's style right now you have to do something i mean, i think the, i think the thing that that is most interesting is that uh you know he he requested a trade clearly there was no interest in trading for him i i think mainly because of his cap hit being pretty high uh, I think because of the perception on attitude issues, and so you know they 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 just you know stick him on waivers, and then get no one no one picks him up. Uh, I mean, the contract was never really that great. I mean, with a guy that age, no. giving him three three and a half million dollars for a couple of years, always a risk. Um, the Predators are obviously going to you know pay for that quite literally um, in just the dollar amount. But what one of the, what it is, yeah. One of the note about Ribeiro, think think about the fact that he nearly cost them the series against the Ducks last year and probably did cost them, at least in some way, not just him, but probably played a factor in losing the series to the Sharks. Um, and remember, he was scratched in the triple overtime game well, for it, Ponta Sauberg. And, I mean, what was the what was the thing that, that LaViolette said in the offseason, or right to the offseason, he needed to have the offseason of his life. Was that Poyle or, or, or LaViolette? Was it Poyle? Okay, thank yeah. you, yeah. So, so it's saying that he needed the offseason of his right. life to stay with the team. So I think the second I think he was already on a short leash. I think the second he started slowing down in January, they waited, they waited, they waited, and they said, you know what? We told you you had to you had to have this level of effort, this level of work. You're clearly slowing down. I mean, if if you're if you're just fatigued and you can't keep up after half a season, then you can't you can't be on this team. You yeah. it's not it's not a knock on you as a player. It's a knock on simply you're thirty six years old. You never were a heavy physical guy. You were trying to push everyone on this team to stay competitive. You can't keep up. We're sorry. If you look at the players on the team who've been the best, like the Victor Arvidsons on this team, they sort of make their mark by their tireless work ethic. So they're always going, going, going. Yes. And that's just not how Mike Ribeiro plays hockey. So when you put him out there on a line with, say, Arvidsson and Forsberg, they're having to pick up his slack especially because yeah. he is playing so much slower and so much further behind it, the play. On the defense, and not just the, not just the forwards, def- defenders too, Ryan Ellis. I mean, Ryan Ellis works so hard, and uh, I, he probably had to work twice as hard anytime he was out there with Mike Ribeiro because you know that guy ain't playing defense. And, and you know, my honest opinion is that if Ribeiro had not come out and said, I don't want to finish my career as a scratch, I want, you know, it's not what I'm going to do, I want to trade— I think the Predators would have would have happily let him sit in the press box, practice with the team. If there were injuries or if they felt they needed his skill set, they would have dressed him and put him out there. Um, you know, maybe letting him rest and then put him putting him back in towards the end of the season or in, going into the playoffs when when he might have recovered his legs a little bit. Um, I think they would have been content just to let him sit because yeah. clearly, if they're willing to wave wave him, they still pay that money. They're still paying him. Listen, listen to this. I just I just saw this. Career in the playoffs, Mike Ribeiro. He has 67 games in the career in his career, 34 points. So half a point per game in the playoffs for a guy that was mostly leading his team in points in the in the regular season. That's terrible. But also 68 penalty minutes. The guy just can't do anything right in the playoffs. He, he for whatever reason he cannot he cannot you know can't stop talking. I don't know how many of those minutes were uh, 
you know, gay misconducts. Yeah. I would imagine there are a few. <laughs> a few of them, yeah. Maybe I think maybe at least 30 of those men are probably from gay misconducts. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I think he got like 15 in one game against uh, yeah. the, the Sharks or, no, the Ducks. Yeah. I mean, when it's behavior things in the ice, you can you can accrue minutes very quickly. But you know, ultimately, I think uh, he, he kind of signed his own uh, waiver documentation thing. Mm-hmm. Because if he hadn't said anything, I think he would have just kept practicing with the team, working with the team. Um, he could have he could have lived the lifestyle without having to do all the hard work, um, but instead he found himself on the waiver wire, found no suitors because of his cost and his reputation, and uh, told to report to Milwaukee. And I think they've played games since he was put in waiver wire, and uh, he has not. I don't think he's. I've seen any indication that he's playing. Yeah, I, I I certainly haven't seen anything. So um, I guess I guess we're done with the whole Mike Ribeiro situation. I mean, I guess we're I guess we're done with with him. I guess, maybe he's technically not off the books yet, but but it certainly looks that way. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I, I think asking for a trade and then getting thrown on waivers uh, and and getting assigned to the minor league. I mean, there's no way he comes back. There, there, it, yeah, that relationship is pretty poisoned at that point. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I. I know that a lot of this makes a lot of people, uh, Predators fans, you know, happy. I think that uh, they're glad to see the uh, uh, the team make that statement and uh, go that direction. So uh, we'll see if it pays off in the long yeah, run. Well, hey, he's listed. He's listed on the uh, uh, Admirals roster. Is he? Yeah. What does it? When's our next game? We got to find out and see if see um, if he plays in that game. Let's see. I got. I, let me. I can just pop it okay. open in a second. Um, we do have do, any final thoughts on the Microbero situation. Uh, so let's see. Today is the fifth. Uh, so they played Friday, Saturday. They're going to play again on Tuesday. So the seventh. We'll so they'll see. play the seventh against the, what used to be the Erie Monsters. I think they changed their name. They're the Cleveland Monsters Cleveland now. Monsters now. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, all right. Well, there we go. Um, let's move on to some Twitter questions. And we have one that can transition right into, uh, what we just talked about, right from what we just talked about, uh, at Rober 2739 says with the departure of Ribeiro, should Watson be replaced by Fiala? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, so I, I think what he's saying is since, uh, since Ribeiro is somewhat of a defensive liability, uh, should, should Watson be replaced by Fiala? Wait, I I I just think because there's a roster spot because that was we were saying we we're oh. talking about about Fiala being sent yes. down really because of a roster yes, crunch. That's, that's what he said. Um, well, we, we the answer to that unfortunately is it appears that they were replacing Ribeiro with Vernon Fiddler, <laughs> uh, which which is is certainly not a like for like. Um, but then again, I'm I'm of the mind that that Fiala being down in Milwaukee is not helpful for his career development as a player. Uh, so I mean. My answer would be no, because Watson is not a you know because Fiala needs to be in an offensive attacking role. If you're not putting, if you're not going to be putting in a position where he's going to be successful, you, you know, don't don't bother. Well, right now, Watson's skating with Fisher and Smith, I believe. Mm-hmm. So if sure, go ahead. Oh, Fiala, Fiala would be fun on that one. To be in, in the NHL right now, so he'd be great on that line. Sure, call him up, but. Obviously, that role apparently has gone to Vernon Fiddler. <laughs> yeah, I, I think anything that gets uh, Fiala on this team uh, is a good thing. Um, at Preds underscore angry underscore fan. <laughs> Preds angry fan. I wonder what this question is going to be like. Uh, well, it's actually, you know, it's, it's relatively good. Oh, I love these guys. Thoughts that 
Callie is going through an existential crisis based on no emotion when scoring. Is he okay? We're worried. Well, see, so so Callie is not just Swedish. He's like he's like the woodsy Swedish. He is the Swedish. Like because a lot of the Swedes we see they're the very woodsy. they're very like clean and they're very you know like when you think of a stereotypical Swede they're like tall and mighty and all these like, you know very but Callie's just sort of has this like oddness to him yeah like this wildness that like the he emerged Swedes don't have. just emerged from the woods yeah I mean like, even Ekholm who has that giant beard and like turns bright red during games like still he just usually like I bet he's Swedish and you'd be right. Like like Yarncroke just looks like he could have been out backpacking. He's like carrying like half a corpse of a deer over his shoulder, being like, "You guys hungry?" Uh, and then just throws it on the ice and, and then skates around and is like, "Just if you want some, just grab it. It's fine. It's ready to go. <laughs> it's barely spoiled." I mean, he just seems like he's got this wildness to him. So when he's scoring a goal for him, that's nothing because he's used to hunting wolves in the wilds of of Sweden. There you go. I, I can't I can't disagree with that. It, there it, it is kind of fun to watch him like totally not seem to care about anything well but it's it, it what's fun about it is that it's such a statement because a lot of um young nhlers i mean they're very much more a lot more fun celebrations a lot of enthusiasm so Callie just being like it's what i do yeah. i just do this sometimes i gotta go back and do some more hard work i, I gotta go back check it's like Callie, you scored a goal you don't have to play <laughs> no i got to back check excuse me i gotta i gotta I have get homework back i have homework to do he's utterly impassive until he gets like mobbed by johansson and then, he, then he's like laughing at Johansson instead of being happy about his own goal. Exactly. Um, right. So, no, I think Callie is fine. I think, uh, I, I guess, really, we have no idea. Uh, who, who knows? Maybe he is going through some sort of crisis, but we wouldn't know. Uh, it certainly seems okay. Um, at Kyle Hancock, with the team acquiring more grit players, is the, quote, experiment with transitioning to offensive defense, defense almost dead? So, in other words, I guess what he's saying is... Um, has the team sort of, you know, rolled it back a little bit on uh, just having this high flying defense and saying we need to get more defensive focused as opposed to just trying to score, you know, highlight real goals all the time? I think there's a difference between defensive focused and what the Predators are doing. I mean, they certainly, if you're saying that they're they're going to try to run four lines that can generate offense, they've clearly stepped away from that and said we we need more we need more rough and tumble classic good old hockey boys. Uh, but certainly not a defensive move because the guys they added are weaker hockey players in general. They struggle to get the puck up the ice. They, they, you know, we, we looking at the trickle, they certainly don't have the same degree of awareness on the ice in the defensive zone either. Um, I mean, these, these guys are, are professional checkers and professional face punchers for the most part. Uh, so it's not really adding to the defense. It's, it's just adding to the ability to generate some, some chaos uh, or or maybe tie the team access. Like the biggest thing that I think hitting can do, because very few hits actually separate a player from the puck. Most of the time, you're hitting them after the puck is gone. So you're, right. so you're doing two things, in, in my opinion. One is is you're trying to force a pass more quickly, which at the NHL at this level typically is not a, it's not a huge impact. Occasionally, it may make a difference, and it does, um, but it's uncommon. The other thing is you know it, getting hit can tire you out. So you know hitting a guy. Um, and, and finishing the checks can tire out the other team a little bit, uh, maybe give you an edge at some point. But mm-hmm. the, the the impact of hits is pretty pretty um, difficult to, to to nail down. So it, I don't think they're getting more defensive. I think that's a system issue. Yeah, I don't think with the defensemen that are on this roster, you're ever going to be able to transition away from that high flying offensive roster because that's just how they play. What bringing in all these guys do? They just sort of up the face punching per sixty. That, that seems to be what the moves have been for, right. is to get that sort of, you know, fisticuff element. And 
and one thing about the, about the defense is, you know, like just because PK Subban likes to skate with the puck and and likes to try to to create offense, doesn't mean he's not a good defensive player. I mean, he's they've had breakdowns, but um, you know, he's still a, he's still a good defensive player. Same thing with same thing with Roman Yossi. He, he's maybe not he's not Shea Weber, but he's he's got some great defensive skills. He's really good at deflecting pucks at, at stopping stopping passes. He's not maybe not the most physical guy, but but I think I think the defense is is. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously breakdowns. There's been a lot of injuries there, but I, I don't think there's anything to necessarily worry about there. Yeah, and, and Subban is, is kind of uh, the common scapegoat because it's easy to scapegoat the new high-paid fancy guy that, yeah. that stole your special boy away from you. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you, you, you look at his contributions, and, like, when he's on the, he, he makes things happen. Like, when he's in the ice, expected goals for jump up. Expected goals against fall down. And that's true. I mean, and he's the number one influence on the team for that. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that you can really rag on P.K. Subban for is just trying to do too much. Like I, he needs yeah. to trust his forwards more yeah. than he is and try to force less stuff. You think, Mario, do you think he's trying to, to uh, impress, almost impress the audience a little bit? Not that he's trying to show off, but he's trying to say, I am P.K. Subban. This is what I do. Here I am. Recognize. Like he's trying to, to uh, say, I belong here. Uh, this is where I'm supposed to be, like Canadian. You know, I shouldn't have been. You know, I was traded, so I'm now going to make a statement here. So he's overdoing it. I mean, he might be. I can't really, you know, armchair psychologist him, but we do it anyways. Yeah, <laughs> and I kind of wonder just about him, like what his conditioning is like. Not, oh no, he, you know, is lazy, doesn't work out, or anything like that. But I watched. I had lower bowl tickets to the Edmonton game, and he flew up and down the ice like three times, which is he was wont to do in Montreal. But I don't think they play the same pace that the Predators do. And so by the end of that, he was just huffing and puffing. Mm. So I kind of wonder if sort of like the Johansson trade, he needs that, you know, summer of working out for to play in Nashville, and that might be part of the problem. You know, I think that's really interesting because I, I see that um, in, in soccer a lot, going between systems because there's so much variation. Um, there was a guy who came to the Philadelphia Union, the MLS team I support, um, Il Sino was his name, and he came in and he was like, I mean, you looked at him and was like, oh, he's a little chunky. <laughs> and he definitely was. So he, I mean, he couldn't play a ton of minutes because he was not in good shape. He dropped eight pounds over the summer. Um, like he dropped a shirt size. Like everyone wow. was like, like, when he was in his uniform, be like, wow, he looks like a totally different guy. Up this fitness level because he needed to get used to a different league, a different style of play. He needed to be used to to, to pressing. I mean, you look at something like Liverpool mm-hmm. and uh, Klopp's press. I mean, you can't Going, just yeah. get. You can't just go to that team, show up. And know what to do unless you've worked in that system before. Sadio Mane. That, that fitness level that it's demanded is so high that you need time to acclimate. Uh, and it can take a season of just the system and the fitness to get there. And uh, so I think that's a really interesting point. I never Subban, considered that. He's very, he's very jacked, like very muscular, especially in his upper body. But what our defensemen do, especially like say players like Romagnosi, is they skate. Yeah. So is not a bad skater, but maybe he needs more of the aerobic the lung capacity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just sort of no, spitballing I, here. I think that's interesting because I, I do see it a lot. I, I would I'm it'd be fun to watch over the off season, um, and then what he what he comes back into because he may just need to have a big fitness change because he was working with a new fitness coach too. So in addition to just the general transitioning from the Montreal that whole thing they got going on up there to the Nashville welcome you here we, we love you already ha, you know be be the player we want you to be that that's a tough transition for a guy who's what is he twenty six I mean like that's that's a lot of well, that's a lot of work too. In addition to what you're discussing, so uh, yeah, and that commute, the traffic is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I want to get to this question uh, from at Preds of the Cap. Um, I like this question. Who is Neil's long-term setup guy? James Neal's long-term setup guy. 
uh, interesting because, you know, I think, you know, I think a lot of us would have said Ryan Johansson maybe at some point, but now he's stuck on the, not stuck, that's the wrong word. He's now on the line, he's on, on the line with Yarncroak. Um, and the Johansson is now with the Fors, the Forsberg uh, Arvidsson. So I guess thinking long term, let's assume that James Neal maybe signs an extension or, or gets another contract with Nashville. Who would be his long term, you know, setup guy? Hmm. That's a tough. That's actually a tough question. Yeah. Um. Just because the Predators are a little bit, they're casting around for that second, that that true second line center at this point, and they don't really have an immediate option i mean next season you know maybe there's there's some a guy in milwaukee you know a, a common over a trend and who who might make the next step take the next step over the summer uh who might be able to i mean you know, probably not i mean so those guys are still really young um, that would be a tough transition yeah uh i mean i kind of have like a you know throat you know throat, just kind of see what sticks in the wall um you know you know it's just try seeing if you play con wilson at center more maybe maybe he could be in a position to do that um and sort of bowl through and, and open up some space for, for, for Neil to get his shots away. Uh, I, I think short-term, Yarncroke's kind of a, a, a reasonable stopgap. Um, I, I think there's a lot of guys. Um, the Predators are full of players who used to be centers that they converted to wingers because they, had to, they didn't have enough centers, or they had too many centers, so they just started throwing guys under the wing. So it's tough to know who they're going to put there. Yeah, the center of the future for James Neal just might not be on the roster yet. Whether or not it's coming, I'm not sure if he has that offensive upside. I guess we'll have to see how we transition to the NHL next year. But as far as the stopgap, I think Yarncroke is fine. He could skate with uh, Mike Fisher. It, what we have right now will work. I just don't know about long-term. Yeah, it's it's a tough question. I, I think uh, I'd be willing to bet it's not on this roster right now. I think it's someone else. Do you think it's Matt Duchesne? Is that who you're saying? Ma- you think, think it's Matt Duchesne? Is that who it is? <laughs> that's exactly what so, I'm saying. So when the Predators trade James Neal for Matt Duchesne, you'll be like, yes, we got him. I'll be able to answer that question once they get Matt Duchesne. Exactly. Um <laughs> The, one, a couple other questions. One person was asking about Soros, but I think it was in, it was tongue in cheek because they were asking if he's protected, and I think that's a running joke now. One that is getting yeah, the, the playoff schedule. The playoff schedule will not be available for several more weeks. <laughs> um, and the the other question was about Ribeiro. Uh, does twenty five points make up for his lack of defense? Apparently not, because they waived him. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so that's I think that's pretty much all of our uh, all of our Twitter questions. Uh, we you guys had some good ones. That was a, a good good run there. Thanks for that. Uh, I guess we'll finish up looking at the he- uh, looking ahead at the week now. The as we mentioned earlier, the bye week is not this week, but the following week. So looking at basically four more games. So they play Tuesday versus Vancouver. They play at New York uh, at, at the Rangers on Thursday. Then they come back home for a back to back at home. Both day games. Well afternoon latish afternoon games uh saturday they play the florida panthers at one and then they sunday play the stars at like five o'clock so yeah the saturday sunday double header yeah and that leads right into the bye week so after that they don't play again until the following saturday so four games coming up a lot of home games very winnable games you got vancouver you got I mean, the stars are, are not as good. Yeah, the, the Rangers game, you know, is probably going to be maybe the toughest of the bunch. Yeah. And, you know, Florida can surprise you, but it's more going to be an effort of the individual players. I mean, this, the system there and the, and the coaching is a little chaotic. Um, they don't seem to, I mean, they have, they have a very inconsistent team. Though I think Barkov is, is officially back. Is he? Uh, I, I, was, I think I saw reports of Barkov. He's either back or coming back. They've got a trying to remember oh no um but that i mean that can obviously make a huge impact yeah. like having a guy like barkov um 
who should be in the National Predators but is not, um, back uh, for Florida. Wrong, wrong cats. I feel like we've played the Canucks six times. Why do, why do we keep playing Vancouver? Can we all agree just to not watch the Canucks game and <laughs> and then just 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 fake our way through it for the for the show? Because I I don't think anyone wants to hear us break that down. Another Canucks game. Oh, I'm gonna break down. I'm gonna break it all. All right. Down. Well, hey. All right. Well, fine. Then then it's set. We'll break it down. Then we're gonna look at every shot. We're gonna, we're gonna have an hour just in the Canucks game <laughs> and then just a quick summary of everything else. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm pretty sure I could do 30 minutes on Ryan Miller just alone. Oh yeah. Well, it sounds like someone is giving 30 months in Ryan Miller just alone next week. <laughs> I expect Good job, Maria. an hour segment on Ryan Miller. Um, yeah, oh, I, I, that's demanding. I, yeah, we, she, she agreed to it already. So, uh, you know, it's got to be. I might, I might need more material than just that one game, though. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to see. Um, I would like to see at least five points, maybe six points. That would make me feel OK. Six points in four games. That make me feel all right. Uh, yeah, six, I mean, six out of eight points would be fantastic. Um, I'm going to think more on, I think it's like five, mm-hmm. five points through the, through the course of the week. Um, I mean, the back-to-backs are always a little tough. Um, so I can't look at either of those as guaranteed wins. Yeah. If they can get four points out of these next three games, that'd be great. I'm not so much, maybe five out of the next four. Okay. All right. Well, we got a big week coming up. Uh, you guys got a lot going on this week. Super Bowl this evening. Super Bowl this evening. I just have, you know, going to work. Mm-hmm. Gonna go to gonna go to work on Monday and do that through the course of the week. You're gonna do that every day this week? You're gonna yep. choose to go to work? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to go to work. <laughs> well, we appreciate your listening. Uh, this is the Predcast. You can follow the show at on the four check. Uh, you can follow Link at, at 3D Link. Follow Mara at underscore Mario underscore K. You can follow me at Alex Darty One. Uh, once again, we appreciate your uh, listening to us. Uh, we love doing this and we like that you enjoy it as well. Uh, so until next time, you listen to the podcast.